tell the folks who we are? Uh, I think it's time. Well, I'm, I am Pablo Morale Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancivo. And together we are the Robots vs. Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. Yes, that's right, that's right. And welcome to our long-running segment uh, where we watch movies. And we, usually we pit them against each other, but not this time. This time we watched one movie um spike lee's opus latest opus the five bloods yes and that's duh spelled d-a so Mm -hmm. you know so you know that it's it's about the black experience you know it's a well it's a spike lee joint it's a spike lee joint um from uh uh, from the get-go uh, you're we're, we're thrown into it was the the Vietnam War, correct? Yes, uh, yes, we're thrown into the Vietnam War. Okay, so uh, yeah, and we follow a cadre of uh, black soldiers as they make their way through combat in the uh, Vietnamese jungles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, I'm sorry. It's uh, Paul, no, 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 uh, Paul, Otis, Eddie, and Melvin. Oh, and <laughs> and of course, who could forget their uh, their fearless leader, Storm and Norman, as played by uh, the illustrious and um, and talented Chadwick Boseman, the late Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, I mean that. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. That was definitely a big drawing point for me. But um, we'll definitely delve into that as we uh, review this movie. Um, We're very quickly transported from the Vietnam era to the present day, where it seems like um, these veterans are meeting up again in Vietnam. Um, Decades later, they're all, you know, old, have uh, started their families or not. and uh, they're back for a reason. Um, at first, it seems as though they are there to retrieve the remains of their leader, Storm and Norman, um, who was left behind in combat. Or not left behind, but he, you know, he lost his life in Vietnam. They buried him there, and they decided that they're going to bring um, his remains home. Which I can only imagine um, for men and women who have gone to combat. Uh, that's a highly stressful situation. So the bonds that you must create under under that sort of stress must be uh, pretty much unbreakable. Um, so to go back after decades to try to, you know, bring your buddy back, to bring your fellow soldier back is is a... Uh, it's just one of those things like I have to do this before I die. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I got really interested in the, this movie falls into like this weird kind of subgenre of soldiers that it's like soldier of fortune. Like they go mm-hmm. back to, and I know that's probably not, I'm not, I'm probably using that, that term incorrectly. But it's like soldiers that bury their treasure and then go like they have to go back and get it. 
Like I mm-hmm. saw a movie called Triple Frontier that that had a similar like premise. I mean, not mm. not the kind of premise that's that's, uh, but I mean like it's soldiers that go and try to find a treasure that they left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I have to tell you that's the part of the film that I really really like enjoyed as far as like it pushes the narrative forward, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I I found myself really enjoying uh, enjoying it, but it does suffer from some spikely stuff that I didn't, I didn't particularly like it, it, whenever he does this in any of his movies, it it still, it feels dated to me. And, uh, and I think that he should like, it, it, it definitely like it, it, it acts against the movie when I watch it. What did you think? Um, well, I definitely spotted, you know, some Spike Lee signatures, um, that have been in pretty much all of his movies. Um, they, they don't grate on me as they seem to be grating on you. Um, so I'm really, really curious if you could like, uh, expand on that. Um, Spike Lee has the penchant to go for heavy, like drama it's two things he goes for heavy drama that sometimes feels like it's punching you over the head which both for me it both acts in favor of and against the movie i don't it like it's this weird gray area that i'm just like i like this but it feels so heavy it feels so heavy-handed mm-hmm. and another thing that he does in in most of his movies is that he has one of the like a main character address the audience and uh air grievances hmm. and i don't know why but that's always bothered me that's always bothered me i don't know do you feel I, like I, that's I mean, cheating it's <laughs> you know um it, it it is it is it feels like it's cheating it feels like it's um it feels like it's pushing for for a reaction from you and i i, I don't know i feel like there should be a more naturalistic kind of way that you know it it was cool when he did it in his earlier films but i feel like you know it's time to evolve past i feel like that's one of the things he could have afforded to lose <laughs> um, maybe I'm being too harsh. I, I feel, you know, I feel fucked up. I mean, like this was, this is a great movie. It's just like, it has one or two things of Spike Lee's signature, you know, basically his signature moves that kind of bug me, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you put it that way, I can, I can understand why that would stick out in a, in an odd way. Um, there were times when, uh, one or two characters in this film, The Five Bloods, did that. And I got the feeling of uh, that Simpsons episode where they had an itchy and scratchy cartoon directed by Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) And then he pops in at the end. He's just like, well, what I'm trying to say, man, is that violence in our modern society is like oversaturated, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) It's even on cereal boxes, and that's when he gets his head cut off. It, it it was primarily when uh, the character played by Delroy Lindo, Den, Delroy Lindo, by the way, is fucking amazing in this film. Yes. yes, fucking knocks it out of the park. His performance in this, 
uh, was even the parts that didn't work for me. He just fucking nailed it. Like uh, there, w- there was a moment where I-, I hope you don't mind if I'm skipping around. You know, heavy, no, spo- heavy spoilers, by the way, for for Defy That's Bloods. how we do. Yeah, that's how we do. Uh, but with regards to Delroy Lindo's car- like performance, it surpasses even the parts that that bugged me, that that felt like it didn't make sense tonally because there's a moment where uh uh his his character Paul his son who has tagged along with him uh to Vietnam basically he steps on a landmine he gets oh yes yeah in, in one of the most in one of the most uh fucking like tense situations in this movie the tense one of the most tense scenes hmm. david gets pulled off of this landmine and it is fucking thrilling like man <laughs> spike lee really knows how to like like build the tension and shit like that and after that happens his father played by del lindo i mean uh, you know uh paul he mm-hmm. basically w- disowns his son. <laughs> like he's just like he just turns around and he's like, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, his son. Uh, oh man, his son who's played by Jonathan Majors, who's in yes. uh, Lovecraft Country. Yes, yes. And also the last black man in San Francisco. That's uh, right. <laughs> yeah, he's super talented. Like I, I, I kind of like. Um, Harboring a, a little bit of a grudge against uh, Jonathan Majors because, of course, uh, well, my my wife is like, you know, Sabrina's like, ooh, who's that guy? And I was like, fuck that guy, you know? Oh, uh, really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, uh, I was just like, I thought before I was like, he's cool, but now he's not cool, you know? Uh, whatever. I know. I know who's getting a glossy eight by ten for Christmas. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But yeah, he um, both their performances knocked that scene like out of the park. I was just like, "Yo, what is gonna?" First of all, can you imagine the fear that would radiate through your soul if you? stepped on an unexploded landmine in the middle of fucking Vietnam, which you know what was a war zone. I mean, that's that's I, I can't imagine that you must think like oh, I'm, I'm dead. It's just a matter of a technicality at this point. Yeah, um, especially whew, especially the uh, the fucking jarring explosion we got for the character of Eddie played by Norm Lewis just a little earlier in the film. That was so he was trying to, you know, keep them together. Um, Because it seemed like they were fracturing as they were looking for the remains of Storm and Norman. In addition to the other wrinkle that uh, this group of five soldiers had found and hidden a crate of gold that was lost in the jungle during the war. Um, So, you know, there's nothing like millions of dollars to change the relationships between you know, some close peeps. And we definitely saw that happening. Um, just another layer of tension. But as uh, as Eddie was trying to keep everybody together, saying, you know, this is what this is what 
Norm, Norm would have wanted us to use this for our people. And then click, boom. Yeah, I... Well, well, he he. The, his last words were, uh, "This is money is the root of all evil," and then he blew, and then he blew up, and then he this this part fucking killed me, right? So he doesn't die right away. Mm. They find his like ha- this movie. All right, so that there. This is the part of this movie that I felt like was such a kick. In the because this movie, some when it pull when it when it punches, it fucking hits so hard, like from the opening, like from the the opening montage of the news footage. It just like it it doesn't it's like relentless, like where where it's like war is this brutal, ugly thing that uh, that is in many respects completely unjust, and. And it's it's uh, it's shockwaves reverberate over time. So when uh, I'm sorry, what what was his name that when he stepped on the landmine? Eddie. Eddie. When Eddie steps on the landmine, he doesn't die right away. They still find his half of him like the like the the, his upper torso, basically, with all Mm -hmm. his arms and the bottom half of him blown off. And he's Mm -hmm. just like struggling to. Like he's in shock. At that part, ki- like it killed me, killed mm. me. Like it was so. Like I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna be haunted by that. By that image of him struggling to like comprehend what happened to him forever, you know? Mm. Mm. Uh, yeah, because it was, it was so visceral and so like, oh man, it was it was haunting. Yeah, a lot of movies try to portray. Um, that kind of incident is like you know oh it's instant death and i'm sure in many instances um that's how it actually works out but you know with any explosion with any look with any massively uh traumatizing event to the body um it's not always uh it's not always the cleanest thing so i can't imagine now i mean that's just that's just a drop in the bucket in regards to why so many soldiers come back with ptsd Um, Because they see things like that and worse in real life. And then they're expected to just go back to, yeah, you know, I'm going to go down to Trader Joe's and get some fucking vegetables. Like, it's like, do you know what happens to a man when he, you know, like when he, yeah, gets mutilated and shredded apart by a fucking landmine? And, 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 you know, this is this movie felt like it was a response to. Uh, because because and they addressed it in the movie in this kind of kind of meta commentary where they talk about how Hollywood churns out these Vietnam movies where you know it's it's like some white guy saving like basically going back and winning Vietnam like getting a <laughs> get, getting a second shot for America you know and it's like. Uh, it's Chuck Norris or it's uh, Rambo, you know, <laughs> and I th- I think that this this movie was made in response to that, and it effectively captures the horrors of war as well as PTSD. It's just like with 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 Delroy Lindo's character with Paul, 
mm. it, it it captures that sense of PTSD where you sense the shock from from his like expression and his face and like how how he interacts with people yeah so yeah totally you could from the first minute to the last you could tell that he he came back different and also don't fuck with this guy like he didn't take shit <laughs> at any point in this film when they were um when they were working uh when they were working with uh, another character uh, the actor Jean Reno who plays I believe it's pronounced Deroche. Uh, 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 yeah, Deroche. I think his name. Deroche. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, he. I mean, Jean Reno is no. He's no lightweight. He he can play very intimidating characters on screen, but <laughs> the way that uh, um, Lindo's character Paul came at him, he was just like, "Look, this sounds like bullshit. Don't fuck with us." Yeah. I was just like. Oh man, this this back and forth is crazy. I mean, just citing like World War II history is just like, hey, you know, uh, American had America had to come save your ass, da da da, this and that, and they both held their ground in their own way. It was just like, ooh, I don't want to be in this room because, you know, the balls of these two guys right. just sucking up all the air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and. I think throughout that whole interaction, I think he brought up like historical soldiers, like black soldiers that have died for their country, oh, yeah. that have died for uh, America, more or less. Where, well, not more or less, but who have died for the United States, and mm -hmm. it is, you know, it it just brought to mind how, especially now more than ever, this this movie feels like so of a t like of our time right mm. despite the fact that it's like talking about vietnam and and the effects of war and how uh black uh uh the black community is portrayed yes it 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 feels so prescient you know where it the 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 things that it talks about with regards to race and how the black community has been treated and how it's still being treated is i, I mean it's very telling it's just like how how the you know soldiers uh, how uh you know uh the how black men are recruited into the army they can die they can fight for their country come back and the country that they're defending still hates them you know mm. like still doesn't respect them like affected by redlining and it, it's all kind of outlined by remember the the character of hanoi hannah the, yes. the woman that is this is the second time he that spike lee has done this where he has had a uh a woman basically on a loudspeaker talking and i think this was a this is definitely taken from real life where mm. they would tell soldier like they would tell black soldiers why are you fighting why are you fighting us like you don't even know the injustices that that uh black americans are facing in their own country like come over to our side we would treat you we would uh, open our arms to you you know and yes that's that's propaganda that's manipulation but at the same time it's truth it's truth yep. you know it is it is so, absolutely 
um that was uh yeah that was a definitely a very those were powerful segments uh during uh hanoi had hannah's uh, transmissions into the field and you could tell that the soldiers um they weren't stupid it's not like they were gonna you know uh switch sides but at the same time uh they can no more stop being black than than they can stop being alive you know as, as a as a matter of will you know it was like it, they're they're all like uh, the complexities are, are there at every single second and it uh it boiled over when they got a transmission um was it from hanoi hannah or or some other station that martin luther king had been assassinated uh, oh i think that might have been hanoi hannah that and they uh, were that that told them and they were ready to most several of them were ready to just fucking cut loose they're like we need to shoot up some fucking white people right now. <laughs> um, you know and it's like i mean it's like imagine you're in you're in jungle heat people are trying to kill you even in the military i'm sure they're still facing racism they're oh no doubt no doubt unbelievable frustration and then one of one of the most prominent leaders of the community is killed is assassinated by in the country that he's trying to make better it's like how much how much can you take at that point um i i really felt that moment um and uh, Chadwick Boseman's performance during that scene was a real <laughs> it was a real uh, interesting take on the character because he was he was essentially like almost like a Malcolm X to this group of soldiers. Right. He taught them about the black history that they don't teach anywhere, even to yeah. this day. Yes. Um making them proud of who they are and, and their people. And, you know, there was nobody who was more pro-black than him. Uh, but even in that moment, even though he was feeling the same pain, he was just like, we can't just wall out like that. It's like, it's like, it's not going to do anything. It's if anything is only going to hurt us. It's going to hurt our people. And he somehow managed to bring these men, these men who are, you know, killers. They're 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 professional. I mean, you know, they're soldiers. They know how to kill. Yeah. They have guns. You know, they're they're ready. You know, they're ready to make it happen. And somehow brought them back from that edge because they were ready to go. Yeah, they were ready to fucking like fucking bring the pain. And I mean, I, at that point, I was just like, you know what? You should. I was <laughs> I was definitely on, <laughs> on their side. <laughs> I was definitely on like when when Paul is just like it's time to fucking kill some white motherfuckers, you know. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. And then you know Chadwick Boseman comes in and talks like he basically says what what you what you basically stated before was that it would hurt rather than help. I, it 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 brought things into perspective, uh, and. Let me tell you, let's talk about Chadwick Boseman for a little bit. His, yes. despite the fact that, like, I thought uh, he would have have he was going to have a bigger role in this film, and he's basically on for like a, a cameo appearance. He still kind of haunts this movie 
with his performance because even when he's not on screen, you feel like he's there. Yeah. And when he's he's the when the the fact that that there were the stylistic choice of having him be the like having the all the old dudes who are, you know, basically in his platoon still be old while he's kept young, you know, mm-hmm. basically playing himself while the uh, other older characters are basi- are also playing uh, younger versions of themselves it makes it feel even more ghostly i don't know i don't know about you but it, it feels like yeah like he's he's there so yeah. it, that was uh that was something that i really was just like that's a really smart choice but it's also kind of it's ha- it's and I feel like I'm using this word a lot. It's very haunting, you know. It is. It is compounded by the fact that you know he had recently passed as well. So it kind of hit doubly hard while I was watching. It was just like it, it was. It was a number of situations that just came together to make this particular performance um, heavier and larger than life. Uh, the, also the the stylistic choice of changing the film grain and the filtering whenever they would uh, sort of go back to Vietnam in their memories, even from the aspect ratio of how the picture appears on your screen and going, going from widescreen to uh, four, four to three aspect ratio um, and looking like grainy film, it was... it. It really transported you because um, and this I, I guess we might be dating ourselves uh, when I say this, but uh, for some of the kids out there, they may not remember uh, TV and media back when it was a little more analog, when it was a little dirtier. You know, it wasn't as wasn't as sharp, you know, but for us who we grew up in both ages, um, that just it just takes you automatically all the way back. Yeah, we didn't have the 1080p's or the 4k's, you know. <laughs> we had to walk 5 miles just to see a pixel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like our parents had uh more than one one kid just so that one kid could stand with the antenna above the tv <laughs> and the rest of us could enjoy fucking scooby-doo <laughs> or as he's known nowadays as scoob you know <sighs> <laughs> but yeah Man. so uh i i have to say this much this is probably the most one of the most beautiful beautifully photographed of Spike Lee's movies. This mm. movie is beautiful to look at. There are some there are some like when it when they start going through the landscape of mm-hmm. Vietnam and on a big screen it looks just sweeping and like like breathtaking mm-hmm. so i was uh, it, it, it is a feast for the eyes and especially when it does go into that grainy grainy uh into those grainy aspect ratios uh i i i thought that that even that looked great um 
it really kind of like fed into the whole lore of these characters going back into the past to rescue their buddy, you know, to rescue mm-hmm. their buddy's remains. Uh, there were old uh, and you know and that those are the the pros to this movie is that totally I felt like outweighed the cons uh, of which I had I had a few but then I, <laughs> I, I I was just like you know what overall this movie is is great I give it like uh, eight out of ten stars you know maybe like 9.5 so <laughs> I gotta I gotta speak to the um to one of the side stories of the film and it was when the character of Otis uh, went to see his um, his old flame uh, from the Vietnam days uh, the character's name I believe is Tien Lu yes and um, he goes to see her because uh, primarily well it, it's probably a dual purpose but one of the purposes was that he knows that she would be able to help him move um, all this gold out of the country because uh, it's not one of those things you just throw in the back of a, of a of a backpack, jump on a plane and head on home, you know? Um, yeah, right. Of course. But apparently they had also had, you know, quite the involved uh, love affair. And then, oh, man, over dinner, um, another another woman uh, comes to uh, Tian Lu's uh, residence and it turns out uh, it's her daughter who goes by the name of Michonne played by, uh, played by Sandy Huang Fem, and um, <laughs> you could tell by her age and her appearance being half Vietnamese and half it's seemingly half black and the look on Otis's face <laughs> is just like oh oh fuck <laughs> He played that perfectly. <laughs> I gotta tell you, every every one of these these uh, characters, uh, the main bunch, basically, you know, uh, Delroy Lindo, uh, Clark Peters, Norm Lu- Norm Lewis, who played uh, Eddie, and Clark Peters, who played Otis. Oh, uh, Clark Peters' performance is—they all bring their A game to to their roles. Mm-hmm. And they're all different flavors. You know, Delroy Lindo is like the the heavy where he's like he brings like the righteous fire to everything. Yeah. And um, Otis is like more understated, more like, hey, let's do the right thing kind of kind of guy. And like he and he does have like a a bit of like a a, I wouldn't say. Oh, shit. Um, Ow. (laughs) I wouldn't say like a comedic side to it, but it's more like, yeah, it, it does bring kind of like a, a, a kind of like a subtly comic timing to it, you know? Mm, true. So when that happened, I was just like, I, I, I couldn't help but, but kind of chuckle to myself when that happened. Cause he's just like, Oh, Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, you know I'm uh, gonna head out the door right now. <laughs> Go get my gold. But he did take a moment though, and he 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 pointed to her. He was just like, "Is she mine?" Like, that's a hell of a uh, thing to drop on a dude. Like, 
TM uh, twenty the- years later or some shit. <laughs> Ooh man, that is that was heavy. That was heavy. I mean that. I mean the the thing is that kind of thing happened. You know, there were a lot of you know American GIs who passed through, had their fun, or maybe had like a wartime wife, and then when it was time to return home, they kind of. A lot of them abandoned uh, that life, but, you know, the remnants of their actions, you know, I don't know how many of them were over there with condoms. Yeah, no, um, of course not. And life uh, uh, finds a finds way. Finds a way. Can I tell you, I think the, one of the weakest points in the movie for me was uh, the character of Desrochers. Did you, what do you think, like... Because I felt like that whole ending battle with them at the at the temple, I was just like, uh, I don't know if I, I mean, this feels too much like he's the the must, mustache twirling villain. <laughs> Desrochers was lifted directly out of uh, Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> he, he was just that level of like over the top. He said, I am this criminal Frenchman and I am going to get my goal. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm just going to skip this side mission. <laughs> yeah. Um, It was sad seeing Melvin go. Melvin, who uh, fucking jumped on top of a fucking live grenade. Oh, uh, man. I, I, I was like, I was taken aback by because I was just like, I really like that actor. Um, Isaiah Whitlock. Yeah, yeah, Isaiah Whitlock Jr. Yeah, he's fucking great. I and remember. Not, yeah. Go no, ahead. no, please, please. I, I've seen him in a few things. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I always really in, like enjoy his characters. Yeah. So when he bit it, I was like, damn, man. I was really hoping that he would make it through. And then. Um, same there was here, a- <laughs> same here. And, and I'm not mad at Spike Lee for having him uh, say one of his uh, signature things from like some of his other work where he goes she that's from the wire (laughs) that's from the wire there you go i know that sabrina informed (laughs) me as but she she watched the whole series i i still haven't watched all of the wire but um you know she she was definitely like that that's from the wire he he plays a really cool character you have to watch that show i was like all right all right all right all right um Uh, but there was also another character that I was just like, he doesn't deserve this kind of, uh, uh, this kind of like character arc, the character of Seppo. Remember that the guy, the French guy (laughs) who's part of the, uh, what's it called? The, the landmine retrieval gang that they find. (laughs) Yes. Which is like three characters where I'm like, why are you here? You know, it's like. I they I, I felt like they were so unnecessary because I felt like by the strength of those of the four leads uh, five if you can't Chadwick Boseman mm-hmm. uh, I felt like the movie could have just gone followed along with them and I would have been completely like on board with that but these they add three more characters and I'm just like you didn't need these guys like these the these three landmine fighting kids who are yeah. just like. And one of them's a real dick. Like the character of Seppo, he was such like a dick. And then when he gets killed, I'm they're just like, oh no, Seppo. And I'm just like, really? 
Really? <laughs> that like, guy? Fuck Zeppo. Yeah, fuck Zeppo. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. <laughs> fuck is this guy. It's like they're at a bar. This guy's, uh, his homegirl's, you know, flirting with this guy, David, and then he just steps in like a dick. What, he, wasn't he saying like some racist shit yeah, too? Yeah, he was like, saying some quasi-racist shit. And I was just like, you know what? Dude, I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> He also he also played like a Klansman in fucking Black Klansman. And he's so got I, the, he's got the face for that. Yeah, he's got the face for it. So I was just like, you know what? Angles Why and shit, you know. <laughs> he's just like that that actor in in uh Dolomite is my name uh where he <laughs> where uh the character that that white guy who's just like, you know, he was talking to uh Lady Reed and he's like, you know, I've played uh, in other movies. I've played a Klansman. I played a racist mayor. I played a racist <laughs> sheriff. And she's like, oh, so basically you're playing to your strengths. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, oh that's who this guy fucking, the guy playing Seppo is. <laughs> hey, you know, he's just, I, you know, I have a feeling he probably deep down inside you know he's not like that but once those checks start to clear he's like eh, you know it's not so bad because <laughs> i can't even pronounce his last name it's got two yeah, it's a's got, with the got, two little dots over them and an he's o got with the same he's thing. got mad umlauts in fucking that's what that's what those are called umlauts <laughs> he's got umlauts to spare <laughs> and is it Jasper K- Pekonin or I guess the Pekonin, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's playing to his strengths. So uh, one of the thing, one of the moments that I that I thought was weak in the film was closer to the end and uh, going back to Otis. Um, either it was weak or it just went over my head because uh, when he went back uh, to. Uh, CTN and um, their their love child apparently yeah the daughter yeah it was it was there was this very like wrapped up in a bow kind of niceness that I found unbelievable right um, right she's just like she's just like you know daddy and I love you and this and that and it's like it's it's like all smiles it's, it's like a full circle but no at least I don't know if it was in a deleted scene, but there was no work to indicate that things were even heading in that way. Like that wouldn't happen. Oh no, no, no. There was like, there was a brief droplet where, um, uh, the young, the young lady, Michonne, uh, was speaking to her mother and was like, you know, tell me the truth about my father. Uh, cause I guess she must've suspected that the man at the table, um, uh, might've been her dad. And the, the her mother sort of brushed it off, and I can, and I was of two minds about about it. Like I could kind of understand her perspective. It's like this is a man who did not raise you, who didn't even know you existed until like a few hours ago. I'm the one who suffered for you. I'm the one who raised you. So you don't really, you know, you don't need him. Um, so I understand that perspective. I mean. I was raised by a single mother being alone in this world. That's a tough fucking haul. On the other hand, um, a child, 
definitely has a right to know um, where they come from, who, you know, who was in, involved in their creation. I mean, there's a, there, there's a lot of there, complex shit going on there, you know, for and, sure, for sure. Yeah. So that was the little droplet, but it certainly didn't justify in my mind uh, that ending where it was like they all sort of like culminated and became and found like this sort of peace. It seemed like that sort of thing needs at least at least a f- like, you know, two years of work in order to get to that place minimum. Right. Um, but what the fuck do I know? Um, I've, I've never been in that situation. Um, part You've of never the other- fought. Wait, you you have you still haven't reached out to your love child. Uh, no, I, I can't say that I have. Um, yeah, it's man. difficult. Um, it's difficult uh, reaching out to the Talon homeworld. Uh, it's really <laughs> far away. And my phone plan simply doesn't have the minutes. So, you know. <laughs> Dude, you should follow them on Instagram at least, man. He played his first game of Rufflerp and um, <laughs> knocked that ball right out of the cube. <laughs> Oh, man, his first cube run. <laughs> I missed it. He has your eyes in 17 different places. Because <laughs> oh. he's an oh, alien. <laughs> yes, he is an alien. <laughs> That's how I get down, baby. Yeah, I know. Um, Gotta get down with those talons, baby. It's all that. It's true. that soothing voice, isn't it? It's the forehead. I'm a forehead guy. A lot of people think a lot of people think the ass is where it's at. No, uh, no, uh, no. It, for me, it's the skull. Yeah. <laughs> Ernesto, touch my skull. <laughs> you got it, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Do that glowy thing I like. <laughs> now touch my balls. You know. <laughs> Oh man, yep. I suffer. I suffer from Kirk syndrome. That's that's me. Yeah, but that's um, right. <laughs> so anyway, but, I'm sorry. Part, yeah, getting no, back part, to this very serious movie. <laughs> but part of the thing that I think maybe maybe I missed something. What if what if Otis actually died in that gunfight? And that was you know that scene was like you know his last thought, his last hope, as you know before he. He passed away. I don't see, know. that would have for me. That would have made way more. See, that would have made way more sense to me, uh, narr- like narrative wise. Like if he had died and he imagined that scene, it would have played way better than what actually happened, which was you know uh, Spike Lee moving into kind of like a fantasy, like and they lived happily ever after kind of tale. Yeah. To it. Which again, I felt like sometimes he he does this where it like these moments that don't feel earned, like they just mm. like he switches the tone on you, and it, it, I, I I don't know I I have a, a little bit of a problem with that, uh, especially with what you basically what you you said about you know the daughter, you know not 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 coming to grips with the fact that her father has been missing for God only knows how many, how many years since birth, you know? 
And he has and, a family back in the States. Yeah, and the fact that, like, her her mom didn't even tell her, like, that merits a, like, hey, fuck you, mom, kind of, like, for not telling me that, right? <laughs> oh my God, that... Like, seriously, you're going to drop the fact that, like, oh, he's my father? You know, fuck you, mom. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what that, like, the the whole movie is playing very serious with the war stuff, but when it comes to the stuff that like involves coming back home it takes on this kind of um again this fat this fantasy fairy tale approach where it's like and everything worked out <laughs> so yeah i mean but but still that uh, that that didn't make me dislike the movie it just you know yeah. that's that the 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 overall movie like right like it rose above some of its weaknesses, you know, mo- pretty much all of its weaknesses for me. Hmm. Uh, you know, the the talking to like uh, going back to with Paul, like ba- basically airing his grievances. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. I-, I enjoyed it at first. And then it went on for a lot longer than I was like. A lot longer than I th- would have liked. I-, I felt like he encompassed basically everything that he needed to say. But then he started going into like, you know, God can't judge Paul, you know, (laughs) and I'm just like, wow, now he's just like losing his mind. I'm just watching this dude lose his mind out here. You're trying to like back out of the conversation, (laughs) but he's not giving you any room to leave. It's just like, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Um, What did you think of the um, the coupling of him with the MAGA philosophy? Like that he wore a MAGA hat in this film. Like, what did you think that what do you think Spike Lee was trying to say with that? I have no idea. I have no idea. I think he was trying to make some kind of loose connection between the guy that the the guy that smiled like basically uh, that the one black guy that was behind Trump. And they mm. mentioned it in the movie. They were just like, yeah. you know, that smiling <laughs> motherfucker who's just like, yeah, Trump, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was it was making the connection between him and Paul, and but still, I I didn't I didn't fully understand what Spike Lee was trying to say. What did you make of it? I think he was trying to say that you have to be seriously fucked up. In order to come on board <laughs> with a MAGA philosophy, because this this film uh, was uh, they made several references to just how idiotic Trump is um, coming from the soldiers, just in, in American commentary like they were not afraid to just drop that several times throughout the film. So, you know, um, this was coming from that perspective for most of them. And then but to have but the choice to have a black man in particular wearing a maga hat um it <laughs> i feel like spike lee was saying like you got to be like halfway out of your mind something seriously have to be wrong for you to be a black man who stands behind this shit because while um uh while paul was very adamant that he you know he's a man who goes his own way he never really justified why he voted for Trump. No, he, he didn't. You know, he he just sort of he spouted some he 
he spouted some things that you hear from right wingers like, oh, what have Democrats done for black people? Like breaking it down to like a kindergarten level of uh, criticism when it's like when the political landscape is far more complex in regards to if you really want to like dig your heels in and talk about, you know, conservatives and um, liberals and who did what. Um, it's a longer conversation, but he just sort of went with like the right wing talking point and that's it, you know? So I, I felt like Spike Lee was trying to make that connection and association, especially uh, to the scene that you spoke about where they kind of tied him to the one black guy at an actual Trump rally. Um, cause I don't know about anybody else, but when I see that it, it looks, it looks like a joke, even though I know the person in the audience is serious. He's serious about that support. It's just like, this is, this is, this is some sort of parody. I, I mean, I, the, th the, th the thing where it gets muddy for me is that Delroy Lindo is like the most charismatic of all of them. Mm -hmm. And he, I know there were there were some there were many moments in the movie where I felt like I was totally on his side. Not definitely not the part where he just straight up disowned his son. <laughs> uh, but up until that point, I felt like he was one of the more heroic characters in the film. And to make him a MAGA supporter, I don't I don't know, I don't know what that what he what Spike Lee was saying. At the same time, maybe he was also trying to say that black people are not a monolith. You know, they're just good. They they have their own reasons for, like, you know, everybody's got their own. We're you know, we're all human beings. We're gonna vote the way we want to vote. So no, I mean, for sure, for sure. But I I feel like if Spike Lee was really trying to say we're not a monolith, um, and then having this black character be a, a mega supporter. He would have fleshed him out more because um, I didn't. I mean, I could be mistaken, uh, but I didn't see any real uh, justification for that. I think this guy was just so fed up and so broken in his life that he feels that to be contrarian in that way um, somehow makes him stand out, uh, makes him a free thinker as a. Uh, some of these uh, lost souls say when they vote for Trump, who are people of color. Um, I definitely don't think that black people are a monolith. I mean, that that much is true. But if if Spike Lee was trying to 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 say that in the film, I, I don't think I don't think he did it. But, you know, I, I guess it's left up to interpretation. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he didn't fully flesh that part out like it, he wore that hat all the way to the end. Yeah. And. <laughs> And it 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 really bugged me. And then he was shot to pieces. Like that man, that part fucking killed me. Where he was shot to pieces. Mm. Um, mm. I don't know. I yeah. Th th I mean, but again, I feel like it's a testament to Delroy Lindo's performance because he I I so sympathize with him despite the fact that he is doing things that are kind of scummy you know he's leaving his friends behind he's going mm. his own way he disowned his son after saving him from an expl from a fucking landmine uh and i was like 
and when he died, I was still like, damn, man, he died, you know? So his crying when he walked away after disowning his son and separating from the group, I found really haunting. That was that was the sound of pain. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Um, yeah, let's. Uh, shit, there's there's so like I feel like there's so much to say about this film and like I feel like it has so many layers to it because it's it's not only about you know the soldiers and um uh you know black the black community in the military Mm -hmm. it is also about legacy and the fight that continues back home especially how it wraps up with black lives matter at the end yes Oh, I so appreciated that moment. Uh, that moment, yeah, it was it was one of the many moments that in this film that brought me to tears, where I was just like, "Oh God, you know, this is it's beautiful." And see, I'm already starting to like. <laughs> the more <laughs> I think about it, I'm just like, "Damn, it's like that." That's that was one of the more the most beautiful kind of epilogues to the film that that really kind of just you know i hate i hate saying despite all its weaknesses it just rose up and like it hammered this message of like we're all in this together home you know so yeah yeah Yeah. wow defy bloods i highly recommend this film (laughs) same here same here do yourself a favor sit down and watch it it's uh the, I mean, everybody turns in a great performance, even if they're yeah. on screen for only a few minutes. Everybody turns in a great freaking performance. I th- yeah. And I, th- I think it's a testament to um, the way Spike Lee gathers people and brings them on board for a project like people. Don't, it's not just a movie. People are not just, you know, earning a check. It's just like you're in a Spike Lee joint. Bring your A game. I'll say this much. I, with regards to just going back to Chadwick Boseman for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I went to 14th street and I'll just tell this little story. I went to 14th street for work and I sat down and I watched black Panther and who comes in. It's Spike Lee and his whole family. I think, I think it's, I know his sister was there. And oh, he was shit. there with a, with a few other people. I think it was his family. And I sat down and I watched Black Panther with Spike Lee, like sitting across from me. Oh, so shit, I man. was, and, and you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of like that sad kind of like side story now that I think about, like with regards to the Five Bloods and Spike Lee's relationship to Chadwick Boseman. Um, it's like he went out. And he paid money to see his boy up there on screen. It was, it's so, I mean, it's great. Yeah, those little moments, you know? Yeah, man. <sighs> he will be missed. Absolutely. So, um, so yes, uh, I think that about wraps, wraps it up. I right? think so. I yeah. think so. So, uh, we both, RVT highly recommends. Defy Bloods. Check it out. Watch it. Watch it. (laughs) Just watch it. (laughs) 
Um, so from both of us here, I'm Pablo Morale Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are the Robots versus Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. While you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the Week. Mm-hmm. 